Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good wherever you are, and welcome to another episode of the Levicity Podcast. Look, saying I'm distant is modest. It took me about a month to find out my nephew stuck in Rikers over some gun charges, and he ain't tripping the slightest. Because- On today's episode, we have a special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, guys. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Rachel. I'm known Constantine. Well, what should I call you? Rashawn Constantine? Oh, only my slave masters call me Rashawn. I gotta edit that out. <laughs> Go <because. laughs> and cut. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I've known Constantine for about five years now. You know, finally on the podcast after we've been trying to plan this for months. I blame the military. No, don't blame the military. Blame yourself. But you know, we're here. <laughs> Glad to be here. Can't wait to talk about you know the topics. So, uh, what do you do? I am full-time military <laughs> on, uh, on SAD for now. I'm actually on the training team, so, you know, I teach people how to drive, and so that's always fun. It's scary at the same time. You know, everybody thinks they can drive until they get behind a one-and-a-half-ton wheel vehicle, Oof. and they're taking turns like they're in a Ferrari, so, you know, it's always scary, but... Somebody got to do it. <laughs> so I got a question for that. Has there ever been um, a situation where you was like, damn, this is it? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's my time is coming to an end. I, honestly, there I've kicked multiple people out of those vehicles. Like if you as soon as you do something that's not safe, like really not safe, where I feel like my life is in jeopardy. If I allow you to drive any longer, I'm going to tell you pull over. I don't care where we are. <laughs> pull over. Get out the car. Get out the vehicle. <laughs> and then I'm, I'm going to take over driving. And then when we get back, you can explain to my superiors why I did not let you drive and why you could not complete the course. Because I ain't doing this with you. I ain't I don't got no kids. I ain't even married yet. Like, come on now. I, I didn't even hit 30 yet. <laughs> I want to live my life. And I don't want it to end in any military vehicle. <clears throat> period. So, yeah, I definitely, I don't play them games. Especially when people can't drive and they think they can drive and they want to have attitude behind the wheel. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and pull over. And you're going to get out. And I'm going to drive back. Okay, thank you. I respect that. So for the people who don't know the difference, uh, what would you say is a difference between driving a military vehicle versus a civilian, like a Honda Civic or something? Okay, so you know the size of a Honda Civic. You know, small four-door sedan. A military vehicle, I'll just talk about the Humvee, which is most comparable to its civilian alternative, the Hummer. It would be like driving a Hummer around all the time. It's just as wide, just as bulky on the road. It basically takes up the whole lane. It's hard to maneuver in those vehicles if you're not used to maneuvering in them, or it's hard to keep them in the lane. So people usually have a hard time keeping those vehicles in the lane. The mirrors already stick out far, so just imagine (coughs) that a lot of mirrors are being hit on the road and such. So it's tough to teach them to drive. I usually keep them on roads that aren't as busy, and try to, after I feel confident enough with their driving, then I'll take them on the road to drive amongst other people's cars. Yeah, okay, I respect that. <laughs> I, I've given up on, well, not given up, but I no longer drive <laughs> military vehicles. I'm done. Why? Um, people lost trust in me. Uh, when I was in a 145, uh, we were preparing for a convoy. I PMCS my vehicle, you know, I inspected it to make sure that everything was good. And then uh, my homeboy, he was like, yo, you want to swap? Because, you know, He's bigger than me. 
and mine was my vehicle was bigger. He's like, yo, just take mine, you know. I'm like, all right, cool. You you checked it? And he's like, yeah, cool. I didn't trust but verify. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the lead vehicle now, and I blew up the engine of a contact truck because there was no oil. I cost the uh, the army a pretty penny, so I felt like it was only right that I uh, reenlisted for a few more years. They gotta get their money back. <laughs> My God, did you not see the temperature rising on the gauge? While I was driving, I remember hearing a weird noise. Okay. And I'm like, what is this? But it, it was just a bad convoy. I, last minute, I became the lead vehicle. I was an E4 at the time. And, like, I was using Waze because I couldn't understand the old school map they gave oh, me. Wow, you're one of those. Yeah, it was. When we finally pulled up, smoke was coming out. Thought it was about to blow up. They I had mean, a, you know, I can't be too at fault with you. I did. That happened to me once. I did not PMCS uh, one of the vehicles properly, and then I decided to drive it from JFK to Fort Hamilton, which is not that far, but it's very far if you're driving. If One, I wasn't even driving. It was a student driving, and they had a lead foot the entire drive. So, and two, there was no coolant. Oh. <laughs> so, this was even that long ago. This was probably like three years ago. And then by the time we got to Fort Hamilton, we were on the highway and it was smoke. I was like, oh, man. I was like, you got to push through? Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem, too. I just like, push hey, through. We got to push through because we can't stop on the highway. We got to at least get off the exit and get to Fort Hamilton. We didn't even make it to Fort Hamilton, man. That gauge was way beyond 240. 240 is the last degree on the gauge. So it was way beyond 240. It was just over. We opened the hood. It was like, Whoa. oh, my gosh. Just the phone call alone pissed me off. I was just like, oh, my <laughs> I was like, can somebody please take us back to JFK and get this Humvee towed? It was I, a mess, but you know, sometimes it'd be like that. I think we need to update our vehicles. I think I think we do too. You know, civilian cars, they let you know, hey, add, te- add uh, oil, add coolant. Well, we like, need that. These these vehicles, you just got to wait until they start smoking or sputtering until you know it's time to add something. Because <laughs> I don't think they ever changed that oil since they first got the trucks. The purpose of friendship. What do you think the purpose of friendship is? I feel like the purpose of friendship is to motivate you. Your friends are supposed to push you. They're supposed to lead you in the right path. They're supposed to have a like-mindedness. Literally, birds of a feather should be flocking together. If you look at your friends, if you look at my friends, you'll be able to know who I am. So your friends should be in one accord with you. Your friends shouldn't be doing one thing and then you do another thing. Like, yeah, I'm just mind my business. No, no, no. Your friends yeah. definitely <coughs> tell who you are. I respect that. It reminds me of the quote that says, uh, you are the average of your five closest people. You can't help but become just like them. You're hanging around four broke people. You're going to be the fifth. I respect that. You sure will. Do you think that there's a, a place where, all right, let's say all right, you and I are cool, and you somehow go down this dark path. Something happens to you. And it's like, damn, you're doing stuff that you wouldn't normally do. How would you help a friend in that way? Um, sometimes you just got to let people grieve. I don't think that's the right word, but it's the only word that's coming to mind. So sometimes you just got to let people grieve. Like They know what they're doing isn't right. They don't need you to tell them that what they're doing isn't right. They already know that. But sometimes people just have to go through their own process of things. Like, of course, don't let it go on for too long now. But like sometimes people need a week or two weeks depending on the severity of the situation, a month sometimes. And then, you know, keep talking through that, like, you know what you're doing isn't right, or you know this is not helping your cause. It's like, yeah, yeah, I know, you know, I'm going to stop. 
But like, if you don't see progress being made in a okay time, then, you're like, all right, you need to come on now. You need to get it together. Like, there's no need to be down there for this long. Yes, it happened. Stop crying over spilled milk. Build the bridge and at least start to crawl over it. <laughs> I respect that. So what would you say are some signs when it's like, all right, you're in the hole and clearly you're not getting out. So maybe I need to distance myself because I feel like that's one of the hardest things to do because one, you're losing a friendship and two, you kind of feel like an asshole leaving somebody when they're down. Um, yes. Yeah, definitely. So <clears throat> my thing with that is I actually have a story for that. So I had a friend. We actually just stopped being friends. Uh, we were we were friends for like past almost 15 years. Damn. Uh, however, like we were friends because I only have like a few solid friends outside of my church friends. And all of those friends also, like, they have a foundation in Christ. So she had a foundation in Christ. She used to go to church, you know, we, that's how we connected. We connected on the Christian uh, perspective. But then as time went on, after we graduated from high school, of course, and college, though, she stopped going to church. She stopped doing those little things that she did before. Like, now she's smoking weed. Now she's partying a lot. Now she's doing the hookah. Now she's drinking all the time and all that. That's because she also has a friend who did those things. But I was the, I was the, I don't want to say the angel, but I was the. The wholesome one. Yeah, the wholesome <laughs> And then the other one was the, the yo, we out. Hey, come on, let's go. We lick it. That was that friend. So recently now, I'm texting her and stuff, and she wasn't responding back two times. First time, I was like, all right, maybe she ain't see it. The second time, I was like, all right, we got beef. So I had to hit her up. I was like, oh, we got beef? She's like, no, we don't talk. So. I asked her a little couple questions. You know, thankfully she responded to me because she didn't have to. She was let me know. She was like, we don't really speak like that. So, and for this year, I've come to realization that I'm not the friend for people or some people just aren't the friend for me and it's okay. Like this, there's no beef. There's no problems or nothing. So I just have to let it be. I was like, oh, damn. I was like, I was kind of hurt by that. Like, this is somebody like, once you're my, once I consider you my friend, I'm going to check up on you. <laughs> like, even if I don't check up on you every day, even if I don't check up on you every month, I check up on you. I make sure you're good. Like, I'll ask questions every now and again because, you know, we're all busy. We're adults now. It's not like we're going to school. I see you every day. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, shoot, you come across my mind. Let me see what this girl is doing. Or let me see what this boy is doing. So I'd buy her stuff. I'd make sure she's good. Like, I threw her her baby shower for her child, what was it, two, three years ago, whatever the case was. <coughs> so it was a shock to me. But she was like, oh, you know, I don't want us to be friends anymore. Or the case. I was like, ouch. What the hell? I was like, what the hell I do? I, I just came to terms. I was like, you know what? I didn't do anything. And maybe this was God's way of distancing me from that friendship because he realized that it no longer benefited me. So there's no longer anything that we share in common. Now at that point, it's just me holding on to a friendship because we've been friends for so long. So that's something I had to come to terms with. Like, so like what you said about having to like drop people, even though they're at their low, sometimes people just want to stay down there. Mm-hmm. So... At that point, it's just like you can only talk so much. And, like, I would try to get her to go back to church and do all those other things. But at the point, you can only talk so much. You can only lead a horse to water. You cannot force them to drink it. So if I'm literally throwing water bottles in your face and you just say, ah, <laughs> I'm like, all right. <laughs> and I'm just sitting here waiting for you to drink it. And God is like, girl, you busy watching this. We need to be watching that. Can't have both. So sometimes you got to leave people where they at. If they trying to go higher with you, then they'll turn around and continue on with you if not they just gonna stay where they at i like that uh you actually just reminded me because i'm 
going through something similar, but I'm on your friend's end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a group of people that I've known for like seven plus years, eight years. And I feel like I've changed a lot these past few years and um, for growth. Cause when we met, I was like party con drinking all of that. And now I realize that they're still doing the same thing. So it's hard for like, I don't want to see them or anything like that because you know, we're just going to chill and drink. Mm-hmm. And uh, I slowly started distancing myself from them. And I realized that, they may just be friendships that I need to let go because I get nothing from it. I feel like I feel like in life, everything is an equal exchange. You give energy, you get energy. And when you're hanging around people who just take energy from you but don't offer nothing in return, it becomes exhausting. Mm-hmm. So I that resonated with me. No matter how long you know somebody, she's like, there's different seasons in life. You were for that season in my life. You were for the season when I like to go out and party and drink and come home belligerently drunk and just pass out. That was the season of my life. I'm in a different season of my life now. It's like, I'm not with that no more. And I was never much of a partier, but I, I used to like to go out. You know, who doesn't like to go out, catch a wine or two, and listen to some good music, be off some good vibes, cool. Now, don't touch me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I want to stay at home. Are we going to dinner? If there's food there, I'm here. I'm here for it. Let's go out to dinner. Let's have some wine. Let's talk. Let's go to a lounge. Let's go to open mic night. Like, that's nice. The club scene was never for me, so it's definitely not for me now. <laughs> the parties, like, all this gyrating. Don't touch me. <laughs> don't touch me. So, different seasons, man. Friends are for different seasons. And sometimes it's not that the friendship was, it got to a bad point. Not that it was like we fell out. We didn't fall out. We just, we're going on two separate paths now. Our paths have no longer, they're no longer in cohesion we reached a fork in the road and you're going to the left and i'm going to the right and we just got to respect it you mentioned um that you're well because she's not your friend anymore said that you guys don't talk Mm -hmm. and do you think that is there like a time frame of okay we haven't spoken in a while it's a problem because i agree with you i think we get busy in life and i know for a fact that in my friendships one of the things that that suffers is that I don't, I'm not the person that just hits you up like, Hey, how you doing? And you know, I still wish the best for you. It's not that I don't like you or anything like that. It's just, I'm trying to build something. Mm-hmm. So do you think that there's like a time frame where you should, as a friend, you should at least hit them up like, Hey, how you doing? Just checking on you. Yeah. But not, not, a, not, but, but yes, I do believe that there is a time frame. Some people require it more than others. Some people just understand. And I think for her, she required it more than I was giving it, and she wasn't vocal about that. So Mm. if you had a problem, (coughs) if I am your friend, say something. If you want to talk, if you feel like we don't talk as often as you would like us to, say something. You know, I'll work on that on my end because that is a problem of mine. I, If I'm not constantly seeing you or if you're not, like, constantly popping up on my Instagram or something like that, you do tend to slip away from my mind because I have a whole other host of things that I'm thinking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on any given day at any given time in my life is not surrounded about surrounded around oh shoot let me check on my friend today let me set my calendar for this to check on her today like you know maybe that would be helpful put in my calendar like oh check on so-and-so see how they're doing and that's something that i could work on but in realistically people have lives <laughs> yeah people have lives and that's i think that's uh that's just a part of maturing and growing up some people don't realize that we're not 
16 and 17 anymore. And like, <laughs> you know, my life is not coming to school, hanging out with you all day, and then hanging out with you after school, and then hanging out with you on the weekends, and then seeing you at school the next day again. Like, that's not it anymore. Now I have a job. I'm trying to find my career. I'm trying to balance my uh, church life, my home life, my uh, work life, and a whole other host of things going on, my relationship. Like, I can't be trying to balance all that and then still got to worry about fighting with you about me not me and you not speaking as often as you need me to. I'm not your girlfriend. <laughs> like, we're not in a relationship. We're, we're in a platonic relationship, absolutely. But at the end of the day, you know, and another thing, I was always wanting to reach out, but we're not even going to talk about that. <laughs> <coughs> so it's like, you know, it has to be an equal balance. If I reach out this week or, you know, for a few weeks, I'll reach out to me. So I was going because if I don't reach out, then it's a problem. But, you know, communication is a two-way street. And um, that also goes to say sometimes friends just want to feel like they're needed in your mm. life. They just want to feel needed or important in your life you're not needed <laughs> not to say that you're not important to me but you're not a significant factor in my life and it might hurt to say that it might hurt to hear but it'd be like that sometimes i respect that so that sparks a question um how would you define a friend because a lot of people call people friends when maybe they just like them a lot maybe they're acquaintances so how would you define a friend versus somebody you like or know? For me, a friend is... That's a good question. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like my friend should be an extension of me. They understand. We understand each other. That's my... F- if then Usually my friends, I consider them family. So once you are my friend, I'm doing whatever in my power to help you. If I got it, you got it. Well, that's how I treat my friends. <laughs> And even if they're, if it's somebody that I just like and I call a friend, same goes. But I feel like that's just the type of person I am. Like, once I know you, we don't even got to be like, you know, <laughs> from the block. Like, we grew up together. If I know you for a week or so, you need me, I'm there. But that's just the type of person I am. Not everybody's like that. And it's because I know that if I like being able to bless people because I wasn't blessed to keep it to myself. I was blessed to be a blessing. So if you come into my life, I'm sure that's an opportunity for me to share that blessing, and I'm going to do so. So for some people, if you're a friend, I need to talk to you every day. Like, we need to be hanging out. We need to be doing this. We need to be doing that. For me, that's not the case. For you to be my friend is just for me to care about you. You have a special place in my life. I will take care of you if I can. That's a friend to me, and you're an extension of me. Like, I'm going to take care of you like I would want. Like, I would take care of myself. <laughs> Your definition uh, made me think of a definition that I view friends as. Mm-hmm. And I look at friends as family that isn't related to you. Mm-hmm. I've always had that battle with um, who's my friend, who's not my friend, who's my acquaintance. And honestly, when I think about it, I would say I have like five, six friends. There's a lot of close acquaintances, I'll say. Not even a lot. There's close, close acquaintances people who if you need me I got you but we haven't reached that part where I would consider you family Mm -hmm. but you're somebody who I'd want in my life for either forever or for a long time I've never really known how to properly define a friend until you gave your definition oh (laughs) Oh, I I like that you gotta care about them just the same way you care about you and not to say that I care about my friends more than I care about other people however I will go (laughs) out of my way 
for my friends more than I will go out of my way. The only distinction between a friend and strangers that I spend my time with them. I don't know a stranger, but I want to care about everyone on the same level. But it's hard because, you know, you're always going to have bias yeah. <laughs> towards the people that you hang around with most of the time. Like if my friend asked me for $10 and then a stranger is like, oh, I need something to eat. And I have my last $10, you know, I'm probably going to give it to my friend. Knowing darn well that. that my friend just ate and this person is starving. It's just going to be a that. bias thing. <laughs> I think that's normal. Right. It's normal. It's normal. People think that way. Do you think that COVID played a role in friendships? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. One, I wasn't even here for the whole beginning stages of this pandemic because I was deployed. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So I just had to go through COVID on deployment, which is very sad. (laughs) It was literally just work, sleep and eat. Damn. Everything, everything was closed. So a lot of my time was spent by myself, honestly, and in church. Because, you know, that's my happy place. Singing, worshiping with people of a like mind. It's like, oh my gosh, you love Jesus too? Let's, <laughs> let's hang out together. <laughs> it was like a lot of the things, you know, me, I don't, I'm not like a big drinker, a big um, smoke. I'm not, well, I don't smoke at all. The hookah, I got asthma. I don't want to die. So it's like, I don't do those things. So it's hard for me to connect with people who do. So people overseas, it was like, yo, hookah. Everybody. <laughs> I was over there like, let's hang out in my room. Catching on some Netflix shows. But uh, COVID really definitely showed you who your true friends were. And it sounds so cliche because I've seen that a million times while I was overseas. But it's very true. Like, you see the people who still think about you. Granted, everybody was going through their own thing during COVID. People losing their jobs, losing loved ones, sick themselves in hospital beds, and it was ridiculous. But, you know, even if you checked up on somebody once every few months, that that shows a lot. It's like they're still on your mind in the midst of everything that you have going on. It's like, shoot, let me check up on my friend. Make sure that they're good. Even though I'm going through, I know they're going through too, so let me just see how they're doing. COVID ended a lot of friendships. People came out of COVID rolling solo. covid taught me who I am as a person because during COVID you spent a lot of time alone. Mm -hmm. That's alone with your thoughts, your emotions. And uh, you're right. Thinking about it now, I personally should have reached out to some people just to see how they're doing because it's so easy for us to get wrapped up in our own personal lives Mm -hmm. because we're all individually going through COVID. But I do think that because so many people spent COVID alone because we had no choice but to social distance, which goes against human nature period i feel like it's easy or or even justifiable for a lot of people to be like hey this isn't my friend because they didn't check on me because i spent all this time in solitude left alone with your thoughts realizing like hold on every time i invite this person out something never come me up for money (laughs) (laughs) but it also told me that solitude is important Mm -hmm. like you just have to spend time alone there was a period in time where i didn't spend any time alone i was always with somebody um, my place was the go-to place. Everybody was chilling. And that's one of the reasons why I moved here, but that's another story. <laughs> but now that I spend time with myself, I've learned to love it. Like, I, I can have a good time by myself. You know, it's a fact. <laughs> I go to the movies by myself the whole night, and I have a blast. I'm telling you, that's how it be sometimes. You no, know, if you can't spend time with yourself, why do you think other people want to spend time with you? Yo, you ain't lying. Like... Come on now. You got to love yourself first. Enjoy your own company, and then you will be an enjoyable person to be around. Have you ever uh, had a friend who you had to let go? 
Yes. <laughs> and have you ever had that conversation? How do you have that conversation? Um, I wrote out a long, a very long essay through text because I just had to make sure I didn't miss no points. So I wrote it in notes and then I copied and pasted and sent. She was very upset. This was my best, one of my best friends, somebody I consider a best friend for almost 10 years. But I, I realized that maybe had I had a proper conversation with her, we could have moved past it. But at that age, all I know is what's happening right now, how I feel right now, and that's that on that. I don't want to be friends with you anymore. But I gave her the respect. I let her know exactly why I didn't want to be friends with her anymore. She was very upset. She said some things that I'm sure she didn't mean, but she was upset at the time, so she said them anyway. And that just solidified my decision. Like, you know what? We don't got to be friends. That's it. Sometimes I think about her every now and again. I'm like, damn, I didn't have to do her like that. But at that young age, I was almost, yeah, about five years ago now. I had just gotten my uh, Honda and ended the friendship. If I see her in the streets, would I ignore her? Like, no. Can't say she probably would do the same, but I don't know. But would I ignore her? No. Because we're adults now. But I felt like at that time, that friendship had to end. It was hard, though. It definitely was hard. I spent so much time with her. Because, like, once you reach that that level of friendship, it's not just the person. It's their family, their siblings, their friends. Like, it's crazy. So I had to break over all of it. And I just <coughs> never looked back. I respect that. What's today's date? Her birthday was actually yesterday, too. Well, damn. <laughs> you know, you got to say happy birthday. I, happy belated. I, I can't. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> I don't have her number. I don't follow her any social media. Oh, then yeah, that's a that's a breakup. Breakup. Mm-hmm. You mentioned uh, religion a lot. Uh, how important is that to you in a friendship? Very important. If we don't believe the same things, how can we be friends? What's the point of our friendship? As you said, show me who your friends are, and I'll tell you who you are. If I'm telling people one thing, like yeah, Jesus all the way, he rocks, and then you like, eh, I'm an atheist. And I'm like, yeah, that's my friend, though. Hold on now. Wait a minute. <laughs> Something don't make sense. So even the Bible says do not be unequally yoked. A lot of people think it's just for um, intimate relationships. No, it goes across the whole of your life. Do not be unequally yoked with anybody. Do Why? not be unequally yoked? Yes. Okay. Do not be unequally yoked. Why? Because it says that the, the sinner can pull the righteous one down. Um, so to speak, if I say probably a couple years ago when I was still trying to, you know, get to where I am now, and I'm not even where I want to be, but I'm a lot further now. I was very easily influenced, very easily influenced. Yo, we going to a party. Yeah, we out. <laughs> Yo, we about to go to the club, buy a couple bottles. Yo, it's $300. I was down for it all. Now it's just like, mm-hmm, no. like, I'm at a point now if I go out and I do drink, I don't mind drinking. I'm going to have max two drinks. But before, yo, let me get another one. <laughs> Seven? Yo, bring it on. Come on, come on. Like they was doing that, uh, what the what the kids say now, uh, row the boat. Oh, ride oh, the drop, boat. Drop, drop drive the, the boat. boat. Yeah. yeah, drive the boat. I think I was doing that. Like, I was a mess. A mess. And so my friends that I had at that time reflected that time of my life. Um, Some of them have fallen to the wayside. Some of them, you know still do the party life or whatever the case. They like to go out. They like to have a good time. But they understand that, you know, you don't invite Rachel because she ain't coming. <laughs> don't ask her to come out because you already know she ain't coming. They already know I'm not coming. So it's okay. I think it's okay in that sense. But then there's some friends that will still, like, some people that will still try to, 
You sure you don't want to come out? Come on, just come out once. You don't go out any time. Da, da, da. No, 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 no. <laughs> like, if we're not on the same understanding, we can't be friends. Because I'm not going to force you to do anything that you don't want to do. Same way I don't want you to force me to do anything that I don't want to do. And I guess I have my beliefs. I have my... uh. Uh, religion is such a touchy word, but yes, I have my religion. But that doesn't mean that I expect you to also have that religion and also have that belief because maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you never might be. And that's okay. I just think um, with my friendships, we have to have the understanding of who we are as individuals, where we want to be, where we're going. If we understand that, we can be great friends. Okay. So <clears throat> hypothetically speaking, let's say you met an atheist. They share the same life values as you outside of religion. Mm -hmm. Like they're not the type to drive the boat and all of that. Mm -hmm. They don't really party. They're all about personal growth and uh, reaching something in life that they're attaining to get. Mm -hmm. Do you think you could still have like a, a good friendship with them? To a fault, yes. Because what would intrigue me? Uh, as I'm sure anybody, I would want to know why. What brought you to this point that you no longer believe in anything? So I want to hear your story, and I want to hear the background behind it to see if you're open to the discussion of something or if your mind is shut and it is made up. If your mind is shut and it is made up, I don't think we could be friends because once that means you are firming what you believe in, and I'm firming what I believe in. So... We're going to bump heads eventually. I'm going to have something at church and invite you. You know, I told you I ain't going to that Jesus stuff. I told you about that stuff. Da, da, da. And then we have an argument. And then, to, so, I meet people where they are. I don't see them for what I see you for who you are right now. I'm not somebody that's going to see you for what you could be. What you've given me is what I'm going to take. There's no, all right, well, I know that you can, I know that you can be better. You just give him some time, you know, I see the red flags, but paint a couple of them green. It's fine. No, if, if you give me the red flags in the beginning, that means they're going to be red for quite some time. I like that. That's powerful because I do think that a lot of us, myself included, we look at people's potential. Yeah. So I it's easy to ignore the red flags. <laughs> I stopped doing that. I used to paint the red flags green. <laughs> Ain't no regular green like grass green. It was the lime green, the the effervescent green. <laughs> that I gonna stand out in the nighttime. I definitely respect that. So my whole family's religious, right? Um, like uncle's a pastor and everything. And a lot of people that I meet who aren't fond of religion, I think it's because of common misconceptions. Mm -hmm. I even I've had bad experiences uh, like I remember the last time I've been to a church my uncle invited me to a church and I went with my girlfriend at the time and it was more so to support because I'm, I'm not even sure if she's religious or not <laughs> but we went and it was a very small group of people there my uncle wasn't the pastor or I don't know what they call it when he's giving a sermon the preacher yeah he wasn't the preacher that day mm -hmm. and so the guy who was, he came to me. He pretty much told us that you have to come back to this church because if not, you're both going to hell. And I was like, whoa, okay. Beast. <laughs> so needless to say, I never went back. But even my uncle, he, he pulled me to the side. He was like, well, he didn't pull me to the side, but I spoke to him once later about why I haven't been back to that church. He asked me and I was like, yo, this happened. And he was like, honestly, I don't have a relationship with that man anymore because a lot of things that he spoke isn't true and uh, we had a small discussion about how a lot of preachers preach things that isn't necessarily true but he also said that it's hard 
because it's easy for people to take the Bible and twist it to what they see. How do you know what's right and what's wrong if, you know, you read the Bible and you can view it from your own eyes? So with the Bible, there are stories written by multiple different people, but they were inspired by God. So you're hearing the life stories of people through God's inspiration to help you in life. There's no situation in life where you can go through that it ain't in the Bible. <laughs> it's just to believe it's, it, it's in there. A lot of people, like you said, they'll read the Bible and take a verse or two that fits their agenda and, and go boom, with it and run with it. However, you cannot just take the verse or two. You need to look at the context in which that verse is being said. Like some people uh, like to talk about loving everyone as you love yourself. Yo, God says to love everyone, this and a third, so why can't I love who I love, blah, blah, blah. All right, now hold on now. And I saw a sermon about this, actually, that put it very well into perspective. It's not about love. It's about what you do with that love. God made everybody. <laughs> he know that he made some attractive people. And he knows that he made some attractive women some attractive men, and sometimes when I look at another, I'm like, wow, she's beautiful. There's nothing wrong with that because she is beautiful. <laughs> like, She's a beautiful woman. She's well-endowed. God made her to the T. Like, he took a time with her, okay? <laughs> like, I'll see some women like, wow, she's beautiful. She looks amazing. There's nothing wrong with that. What is What comes into play is when what you do with those emotions now. What you do after that is what is considered the quote-unquote what is considered the sin. And even outside of that, it's not a it's not the sin. It's the action that comes from it that is the sin. And that is where a lot of stipulation comes into play. And people are like, well, um, I didn't do it. Uh, I just thought about it. Yeah, but you don't want to think about it because it leads you. And thoughts, thoughts are powerful. <laughs> thoughts are powerful things. If you think it, you can do it, okay? Watch me about to start a whole sermon. Before I get sidetracked, let me back up. Um, with the Bible, in order to understand what it is that you're reading, you have to seek knowledge from people who you trust. Seek people who have been doing this thing for a very long time, not... And I'm not talking about the people who are saying things like, if you don't come back to this church, you go to hell. Because <laughs> you don't got to be a Christian to know that that don't make no type of sense in mm -hmm. any way, shape, or form. You cannot tell somebody they're going to hell because they're going to see you down there. But anyway, that's besides the point. As a Christian or as somebody who wants to come into Christianity or, you know, they have a, uh, a desire to learn more, even if it's not to become a Christian, they just want to learn more. And maybe some way down the road, you know, get into that area. You have to know what you're reading. And in order to know what you're reading, you have to find somebody who has already read it to understand it. Because there are a lot of confusing things in the Bible. To this day, I be reading like, what? Like, you know that meme with uh, Kevin Durant? I think it was Kevin JD. Was it him? No. No, no, no. It no. was uh, Westbrook. Russell, Russell. Yes. The what? <laughs> Confusion <laughs> on my face. I mean, I, I, and I've been a Christian a serious Christian, I'll say a serious Christian, for probably five years or so. Being born in the church don't make you a Christian. Let's just talk about that right there. Mm. A lot of people feel like, oh, I go to church, I'm a Christian. No. You know why? Because the devil goes to church. The devil could tell you the Bible up, down, through the center, and all the way around. So just because you are in a building does not make you a Christian. So what makes Being you a Christian? Lifestyle. Being a Christian is a lifestyle. You got to have the facts to back it up. Not just, oh, yeah, I go to church every Sunday. 
sing in a worship team. Okay, what else? Because I see your stories. And you got me your close friends, so I see them all. <laughs> I see you in the club backing that thing up. I see you smoking that hookah. I see you smoking that with your friends. I see you doing this, that, and the other. So what is it? And then it's just like, oh, well, you know, God's working on me. Great. Because that is the line I love to use. God is, I used to love to use that line. <laughs> to justify me doing nonsense. <laughs> God's still working on me, you know. I gotta, um, you don't work on people the same way. You work on others. Everybody's on their different journey. Absolutely, 100%. However, we all know right and wrong. And the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is that we know when we mess up and we want to do better. Non-Christian, they're doing their things happily. I don't care. Nobody's going to tell me nothing. <laughs> I'm going to just keep doing what I want to do, and that's just going to be that. When you really are a believer, you're going to feel some type of uh, conviction, like, especially when I curse, like, because I curse. I'm, I'm trying my hardest to stop. <laughs> I'm really trying my hardest to stop. It's a terrible habit, and I don't want my children. I don't want to be doing that when I have kids. Then they're like, yeah, mom, F you. Excuse me? <laughs> and now I got to send them back to Jesus. I don't want to do that. So I need to stop now. I got to nip it in the butt now. <laughs> you actually uh, sparked the question, though. Do you think that it's possible for someone to still live that turn up Tuesday life and still be a Christian? Because, yeah, because the way you explained it was uh, the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is a non-Christian happily does it doesn't give two shits two yeah, doesn't give two shits about it. But what if can a Christian go out do all of those things? I guess keep it to a minimum, but still go out and have fun, do the hookah, do all of that. I don't see anything wrong as far as what I've read in the Bible. Nothing has stood out to me about it's wrong to smoke or it's wrong to drink or it's wrong to do certain things. What? I'm, what I understand through the Bible, it is wrong to rely on these things to have a fulfilling life. Like, you have mm. to smoke, have to drink. Or if you drink, you got to get drunk. If you smoke, you got to get high and then just be laid out because you feel your best when you're up in the skies. Like, that, okay. I believe, is where it comes into a problem, where the problem in lies. Because people rely on these things to have a fulfilling life. Like, if they're not doing it, they can't focus. Like, people who are... Uh, like, people who drink coffee. If they don't drink coffee, they, they itch it. They got to drink their coffee. Or else now they get headaches. They start shaking. They need to get their fix. Like, that is where the problem in lies. It's not so much about, yeah, I have a glass of wine or two glasses of wine every day, you know, after I get home from work. That's not the problem. The problem is if you cannot survive without this wine. Like, you okay. have to do it. Because then it's like, you're not putting your faith in, you know, I need to rely on Jesus. You need to rely on liquor. You need to rely on smoking. You need to rely on pornography or you need to rely on whatever it is to get you to sleep at night, to get you to relax, to get you to do this. When in reality, you should be relying on Jesus to, for, well, you know, through my lens, you should be relying on Jesus to relax. Put on a little gospel music, just sit back and relax, but it's not, you can't do that. You need to have the outside influence inside of your body to do those things. That is where I feel like it becomes a problem in God, God's eyes. I could be wrong, but you know. From what I understand through reading, that's what I see. I haven't had anybody explain it to me like that. Usually when people explain like the drinking, smoking or anything, they deem the whole thing bad. And I think that's another thing why there's people out there who don't believe in religion. Um, a lot of people feel like they're judged by religious people. And because of that, like they see you smoking, they're like, oh, you going to hell. They see you drinking. Ugh, you going to hell. Mm -hmm. 
So I, I can see why a lot of people is like, nah, you know what? That's not yeah, for me. They stray, they stray away. And I don't blame them because, you know, old school, old school Christians and new school Christians are two. They were at one point two different Christian types of Christians. I remember at one point in time in my church, there was no wearing pants to church. Like, oh, damn. Yeah, you couldn't wear pants to church. You couldn't talk back. You had to do as you were told, this and the third. Couldn't and wear then, pants. Could not wear pants in my church. I remember once. As a woman? Yeah. So you just had to wear like a, a skirt? Yeah, long skirts. If it was cold outside, put on some tights. <laughs> and but I remember one day, like our generation was a generation to change that. Because it was like, Yo, you're not about to be telling me wear no skirt in negative five degrees. I'll put those in pants. I'm sorry to you, okay? And I used to have a fight with my mother every Sunday. And eventually it just came around. Now my mother wearing now you let people in church wearing pants, uh, the, the older women wearing pants to church. Because, like, they realized that these things that they were hanging on to as religion made no sense. Okay? Me wearing pants is not going to send me to hell, Barbara. Okay? So, I think it's just um, about uh, changing the mindset of the hardcore religious Christians, actually, into making sense. Because even in the Bible, it says, I don't want your religion. I want your commitment. Religion, anybody could be religious. And you... <laughs> don't have to serve Jesus. You can have a religion just by, I wake up in the morning, I have to knock my heels together before I get out of bed or something. That's a religion. But obviously, you know, that makes no sense. People go to church, I have to dip my hands in water and sprinkle it before I step into the, before I step into, the, that makes no sense. But what are you doing it for? What is it, what is it doing? What is it doing? Is it going to, like, are you, is it like a seance? Does it help you talk to the Lord? What is it? Like, help me understand what it does. Oh, no, but you know, my mother did it and her mother did it, so it's just going. If it don't make sense, it don't make dollars. Like, get rid of it. <laughs> I respect that. That's interesting. After hearing that, I think I'm going to try going to a church that's operated by the new generation of uh, Christians. Because now that I think about it, I think I've only gone to churches ran by the old school. Mm -hmm. Where I remember I used to get in trouble. Well, I wasn't even allowed to. Like, if I wasn't wearing, like, a suit. Mm -hmm. It got to a point where I was called church boy in the neighborhood because every time you saw me, I was in that suit, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, that's why it's, it's rough on people are different. Like, say you didn't grow up wearing suits, you like wearing your sweatpants and hoodies and all that stuff. It's rough on those type of people to step into certain churches because it's immediately the, what is he wearing? What is he doing? Who invited him? Like, excuse me, what happened to come as you are? Mm -hmm. Like, it's different for the people in the church. We know, we know better. So certain things when we're in church, you know, we're not going to put on a skirt that's barely covering the, you know, our pots to come into church because that statement doesn't apply to us. That applies to the non-Christians, the people who don't believe, the people who don't know as yet. Yes, come as you are, and then will get you to where you need to be. So we've had people come into our church before. Like, this was when I was younger. I remember a young lady came to the church. The girl that dressed, the dress is any shorter. <laughs> and I was like, I'm shocked. But nobody else, the, the older people weren't shocked because they understand, like, she's not a Christian. So she's going to put on the, and this is, I understand, as I got older, they're going to put on the best they have to come here. So if the, the best that they have is not your best, you can't say anything to them about that because they don't know. When churches become more welcoming welcoming and less judgmental, they're going to see a difference in the way young people interact with the elders. Because right now it feels like it's elders against young people, and it shouldn't be that way. And our church is not that way anymore. Thank God. 
It took a, it took a few years, but you know, we finally came to understand that like we're not the young people here. We're not doing anything to try and you know change the church. We just want to change your mindset. Like it's okay if we wear jeans, we have a dress down Sunday and wear jeans and plaid shirts on stage to worship. It's okay if we don't wear dresses every Sunday. Like it's okay. None of this is going to send you to hell. Why? Because God looks at the heart of man, not the outer appearance. Not to say that, you know, the outer appearance, you should become a church in a bikini and thong. Like, no. But (laughs) (laughs) he's looking at the heart of man. He wants to fix your heart because once he gets your heart, that's going to change everything. It's going to start from the inside out. Now, be careful about these young generation churches because, because everyone who preaches... Is not a preacher. Um, just leave it at that. Everybody who calls himself a pastor is not a pastor. And that's where discernment comes in. But you can only be discerning through knowing the word and having it in you. Like, that word needs to be in you. So as soon as somebody says something that don't make sense, you like, <laughs> hold on now. Mm-mm, that's not what my Bible say. So, and, you know, it's not so much about the, it's hard. It's hard finding a good church. I was just grateful to be born into a church that became good because mm-hmm. when I was younger, it was not good to me. It was crazy. It was, it was a mess, but sometimes you gotta, you gotta realize what, why were you placed in that church? What is your role here? What are you here for? And do your work. And then sometimes, you know, you might graduate from that church to another one, or you may stay there for all your life and it's okay. But a lot of people like to church hop because they don't like sister so-and-so. They don't like the way <laughs> this deacon uh, behaves. This person talks about me, and this person does this to me, and I don't like the way he be looking at her. What do you go to? you go to church for man or you go to church for God? So <laughs> you need to put their priorities in order. Yes, it's great to go to a church where everybody gets along well. We're all a family, like a giant tree. But sometimes it's not like that. Sometimes you're going to go to a church that's going to try your spirit and you can't allow these people who are also broken to make you more broken. Everybody who goes to church, the church is a hospital. You go to church to receive the healing that you need. And now everybody in the hospital is not whole. Most people in the hospital are sick and on their dying bed and they don't even know that they're dying. And that's what the church is full of. It's full of broken people. It's full of people who realize that they need help. They are not holier than thou, even though they might think that they are. They are not. Because if they had reached the pinnacle of perfection, they'd already be seated at the right hand of the Father. But they are not. You're still on earth with me, therefore we all have growing to do wherever it may appear in our lives. That's definitely one thing I want to get out to the masses. Like, Do not let people make you feel as if you are less than. You are not less than. You are just not where you would like to be yet. We're all on a journey. Do not look at anybody else's journey and compare it to your journey because you can't compare your Christianity with somebody who's been a Christian for 52 years to you who now come in. <laughs> like, barely scratched the surface. I, I got a question, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I remember having a conversation, and it was pointed out that when you look at the population of uh, Christians, it's usually full of low-income families. And of course, you know, you see the mega churches where the pastors are filthy rich, but a lot of churchgoers are actually poor. So I remember hearing a quote where it said, uh, religion is for the poor. And I just want to know your opinion on that. Um, I don't know what they're talking about because I ain't low-income because they're disrespectful. <laughs> but... <laughs> I'm not low income. I can see how they would say that. Um, if you go to a 
respectable church, there should be no differentiation between the income of, no significant differentiation between the income of a pastor and the income of their members. Um, one, because none of that money... Should be going to them. <laughs> exactly. None of that money should be mm. touching the pastor's pockets. The pastor, I believe, gets paid from a totally separate entity. And most of the time, the pastors are very, like, they're not as rich as people <laughs> assume them to be. I can only speak for my pastor and the pastor of my uh, boyfriend's church because I know them. Uh, you got to go to Tennessee. Huh? Tennessee. Uh, I think Tennessee is the capital of churches because mm-hmm. that's where the mega churches are. Sheesh. And you got the pastors, uh, you know, they got their churchgoers going there trying to find a way to get to the church to give tithes and offering, but the pastor is leaving in a brand new Corvette. Yeah, that is not okay in any way, shape, or form. And if anybody goes to a church like that where your pastor always has the newest car out there, his lease is always up to date, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> And you know that he doesn't work on the outside. It's like, where you getting the money from, Pastor? Okay? Because I know it ain't my money. I just know it ain't. And when it comes to things like that, you really got to pay attention to your environment. Look at what's happening around your church. Do not be blinded by the um, I am blessed and highly favored mantra because we are all blessed and highly favored. So there's no way that God is going to, if you're doing what you need to do, that he's going to be constantly blessing one person in front of your face while you are in need and you're suffering and your family is suffering. That's not how that's supposed to work at all. So that's one. Two is do, if you do not want to leave the church, if you, you know, you just mind your business, mind the business that pays you, do what you're required to do. And that's what I tell people all the time. They're like, I don't like going to churches because they always ask for money. They always ask me to pay my tithes. Where's this money going? What is this money doing? That is not your business. All God said was to pay your 10%, <laughs> and then the rest is yours. So as far as I'm concerned, once I give that 10% to the church, I don't care what happened to that money. I did my due diligence. So when I'm asked about it, <laughs> when God be like, um, get tithes, how was that? I paid it all the time, God, okay? Don't play with me because you know I pay my tithes all the time. Because he's going to have the same conversation with the pastor of the church or whoever that tithes was going to. All right, so what did you do with this money? Oh, well, um... So, you know, you know that leak in the church? I fixed that. Yeah, but you also bought a new house. And you also bought a new car. And you also bought three yachts. That money wasn't for you. So they're going to have that conversation. Just know that they're going to have that conversation with God. (laughs) So just make sure that your conversation with God is setting you up for success. Because whatever they do, and you know that saying, what is done in the darkness will always come to the light. So let people do what people want to do because no, um, what is it? No bad deed goes unpunished, whatever the saying is. Mm-hmm. Do what you need to do and worry about you. You cannot worry about everything that goes on behind the closed doors. And it even irritates me too, you know. I'm always going to church. They ask for money. They ask for this, ask for that. But I have to understand that this is the house of the Lord. Things need to happen. If you're at your house, things got to be fixed. Bills got to be paid. You know, things got to be done. And especially after COVID with these smaller churches, it's hard. Cause like you want to yeah. keep your church afloat, but people don't come to church anymore because they're scared of COVID. People are staying home now, just watching it on the live stream. They're not paying their tithes. They're not doing, they're not paying their offering. So the money that was coming in to help keep the building up, now you're having to stand on the altar and beg for it. And mm. I'm sure no pastor wants to be up there begging for money. Cause like, you know, I had this vision. I 
and we've been in service what 20 28 years this year I think it makes and it's like wow we've been up God has been blessing us and doing this and keeping us and all that and then COVID hits boom and now you lose half your membership half yeah. of those funds that was paying that uh, mortgage for the building is now gone and it's like shoot now I'm really heavily relying on these people because as it should be no pastor should be that well endowed, you making six, seven figures a year, and your church members is barely scraping the average medium of a low-income household. That should not be, because that means you're a succubus, and you're sucking the church dry, and you're just taking everything they have and filling them with false hopes and, and dreams. Like, yeah, God's going to bless you. Yes, he is going to bless them. Of course he's going to bless them, because he sees that you're being a succubus, and you're being a devil. And... He's going to do what he needs to do for them to make sure that they can keep afloat. But you, on the other hand, are going to have to answer to him when your time comes. And do not think that you will be up there forever because every dog has its day. And I really feel bad for those people in those churches. And when people come to me and be like, you know, this is why I don't go to church, this, that, third, it's like, can't help but to, you know, agree with them on some sort of level because, like, I understand. (laughs) I see what's happening. It's not happening in my church. And, you know, for a long time, I was just turning a blind eye to it, like, well, it ain't happening in my church, so I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I see it on the news, I see it in headlines, this, this pastor gets arrested for fraud, this pastor gets arrested for touching people, this pastor gets arrested for having an affair with three women, like, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> and like, how am I preaching to people about the love of, about the love of Jews and Christianity, and then at the same token, they see in all these false preachers and false pastors, which they don't know are false, I know it's false, but they don't know any better because they're not Christians. So if somebody claims to be a Christian, people are going to look at everything they do and say. And everything you do and say, you're going to have to answer for. So if somebody say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I like to get drunk every night, they're going to be like, what? You a Christian? And then another Christian going to be like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but, you know, I don't do that drinking stuff, you know. I don't smoke none of that. And they're like, y'all are hypocrites. And that's their favorite word, y'all are hypocrites. <laughs> But it's like, if people would understand that just because you're a Christian doesn't make you perfect. As a Christian, you should be striving to perfection. But darn sure does not make you perfect. You're going to slip up sometimes, but it should not be all the time. (laughs) It should not be a... I shouldn't look at your life and be like, you say you've been slipping up, but you've been on this slippery slope for a long time now, okay? When are you going to get off? So, me personally, I don't know for a fact if God exists, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's no scientific proof of that. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I can always admire is what religion tells people to strive to be like, um, be a wholesome person, uh, give to your neighbor, uh, always do what's right and community. So even in the future, let's say the world ends, life is over and we find out that religion doesn't exist. The good news is that because of religion, there's been so many wonderful people in the world. So that's one thing I admire. Like, even our, our nation is founded on religion. You know, in God we trust. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that. Um, my question is, with all of these different types of religions, uh, these different uh, versions of the Bible, how do, you know, how do you know what to do, where to go? How do you know what's right, what's wrong? It, it, it's, oh. over, it's saturated. Yes. Very much so. I remember talking to one of my friends, well, one of my, uh, someone I knew who was a, I think either a, I'm going to say the wrong name, but he was not a Christian. And we both came to the agreement that we feel like all these different religions 
serve the same God and just call him by different names. That was, I was like, you know, that would be, that would be great. <laughs> that at the end of the day, it's just like, we also are the same God. We just call him by different names, so on and so forth. However, what I will say is that um, I'm not sure about all the other religions, but I know that most of the other religions religions mention Jesus as a prophet. Now, a prophet is someone who does not lie. So if they believe that Jesus is a prophet and that he does not lie, that means that he believe, they believe that Jesus has come to earth, he died for our sins, and he rose again in the next three days because prophets don't lie. So if your own religion is, is um, validating the words of Jesus Christ as a prophet, that means what do you really believe? Because you're telling me that Jesus is a prophet. Okay, cool. Do prophets lie? No, they don't lie. So then you believe what Jesus said, and then, and then it's quiet. <laughs> so, you know, um, I, don't, I, don't, I definitely don't go back and forth with people about the religion. I listen. I want to learn. I want to hear about your religion. I want to understand where, where, what are your foundations. What do, they, what do we talk about? What do you guys learn about? What do you guys do? Where did it come from? Because you can always learn something, and through that conversation, they can learn something about yours. You never know. We have a man in our church just popped up. He used to be a Muslim all his life just converted over to Christianity and we were just like wow yeah. <laughs> right I was you don't hear like, that wow. often exactly I was like wow that's great so I haven't had a chance to talk to him as yet though he's an older guy older guy I definitely want to talk to him pick his brain like what what brought about the change it's hard like all these different versions of the bible like you said it's not so many different versions of the bible it's different translations so you have the King James version and even that is not the original version but it's just the basis of the version that people go based off of. They basically created different Bibles for different people to understand. Like, I don't read the King James Version. I read the NIV, which is the New National Version or something like that. And then they have the English Standard Version. It's just easier to read because if I'm okay. reading King James, thou thou is <laughs> ants, thou thou is youth, youth. And I'm like, what? So when I'm reading... When I'm reading NIV or if I'm reading ESV, it's it's a regular sentences like how it would be like, and he went to the market and he saw the girl and he told her, you will be my wife. Whereas King James would take that one sentence and it would span over three paragraphs. So that is the different, it's different translations, not different versions so much. Okay. Um, but with the different um, religions or the different branches of religions, like in Christian, there's Christian Metacostal, then there's Baptist, then there's uh, Evangelical, then there's Seventh-day Adventists. So it's like, what's going on here? So everybody, um, like you said earlier, translates or understands the Bible differently. So say I read one verse and I understand that verse to be, okay, great, so we shouldn't paint any of the walls in our room black. Somebody else might read that same verse and understand, okay, cool, so we shouldn't paint this one room black. And now it's like, we shouldn't paint any rooms black. No, it says we shouldn't paint this one room black. Boop. Different religion. Different branch. Because now they're going to teach, you don't have to paint this one room black. Yeah. And then I'm going to preach, you don't have to paint any of your rooms black. Yeah. And then it just starts from there. Just the divisiveness. Like, I understood it differently, and I have other people that understood it the same way as me. So we're going to go over here and create our own little group. Mm. So how do you... How do you know what's right? Which one is right? That's a good question. I probably don't have the answer to that. But in every version of the Bible, the standard would always be the same. 
the what he wants you to do will never change even though the way you might go about doing it might be different how you show love to one person might not be how you show love to the next but at the end of the day you're showing love so that is the thing that never changes across the bibles you are okay. to love your neighbor as you love yourself how you show go about showing that love is the different branches of that was well um, segments <laughs> Okay, that makes sense. So now let's say somebody is interested in, they're like, you know what? I want to be a Christian. Where do they start? They have no knowledge. They just want to do something better with their lives. Uh, Find someone who is a Christian and become their friend. Go to their church, talk to their youth pastor. Every church should have a youth pastor. My youth pastor, dope. Love him because he never was shy about telling us that he used to be doing drugs. He got locked up. He was locked up on Christmas Day. like. And what exactly and is a youth pastor? Basically somebody who is, they resonate with the youths more. The youths okay. of that generation. This generation youths probably, I would probably be, <laughs> I would be their youth pastor because I'm around that age. So I would be the one okay. to like, talk to, I'll be able to resonate with them more because I'm not as old. So she, I'm not in my like high 40s and trying to talk to him like, yeah, man, you know, because I know what's still going on in the world these days. I'm not that far off. I was I was literally just there. A youth pastor is somebody you can resonate with depending on the age of the person. You might want to send them to the head pastor or you can send them to the youth pastor. Usually it's young people coming to young people. So it's like, yo, I'm trying to get into this whole Jesus thing. It's like, oh, got the perfect person you speak to. Come and holler at my youth pastor. And they'll be able to talk to them, and they'll be able to share life experiences. Because I think what it is is that people feel like Christians have never been through anything. Like, you don't know mm-hmm. what you're talking about. You ain't grew up in the hood, or you ain't ever have to fight for your life, or you ain't never get into no trouble in school. You was a Christian. You was this. You was that. You grew up in the church, so you don't know what you're talking about. Like, hold on. Wait a second, little boy a little girl. You don't know nothing about me. You don't know where I came from. That made me solidify the decision that, you know what, I'm going to choose to serve Jesus because this outside life here, it ain't it for me. I could have been dead (laughs) multiple times because of, you know, I used to have a serious anger issue. So I absolutely could have been dead multiple times. It took me getting into the last fight, like, yo, I need to chill. Why am I like this? (laughs) Why am I like this? What is this is not benefiting me in any way, shape or form. Because, like, in the same, I'm coming out of my mouth talking about, yeah, I want to do this with my life, I want to do this with my life, but I still have these terrible behaviors that are not helping me do what I need to do, not helping me succeed and get to where I need to go in my life. So it's easy for people who aren't Christians to view us as on a pedestal. Don't put me on a pedestal, because I'm going to break your heart, (laughs) okay? I'm going to break your heart. When I tell you about all the nonsense that I used to do and all the things that I'm still struggling with to this day, I still have not gotten over. Don't put any Christian on a pedestal. Use them as motivation. Like, damn, if you could do it, I definitely could do it too. <laughs> okay? Because I used to, especially people know who I used to come from, and they see me, and I was like, wow. Day and night, I was a mess, loud, rambunctious. I fought all the time, especially boys. I love to fight boys. Fought all the time. I was always getting in trouble. Now, I'm chill, laid back. I don't let things get to me. And I understand that I just have to see past people. Like, even if people try to get on my nerves, I just feel like, I think I'm definitely going to get on my nerves. Try to get me to get out of character. <laughs> I ain't going to do it. 
I ain't gonna do it to them. They need people just need to learn how to speak to each other, and that's it. Just starts with a conversation before they even step into the church. It starts with the conversation before you even invite them to church. It starts with a conversation. Tell me about yourself. How was your childhood? How did you grow up? What brought you to this point in your life that you're like, you know what? I I think I want to seek out Jesus. Like, what was it? What was the determinant factor? And once you learn something about this person, now you have a have a, uh, a hold on them in some type of way, like, all right, now, I know a little something about you, you know a little something about me. What's the next step? Let's go out. Let's go get drinks. Let's go have a dinner. Let's go to a lounge. Just hang out with each other. You know, build a rapport. A rapport relationship? Yeah, a relationship with them. I was trying to be fancy, but I forgot the word. <laughs> Try to build a relationship with them, you know, and really get to know them as a on a personal level. So when you do bring them to the church, they already know you. You're not bringing them there as a stranger where they don't know you and they don't know the people in your church. You're like, come on now. Cause I'm not coming back. <laughs> okay. So it's like, oh yeah, this is my boy or my girl, so-and-so. And she's interested in learning about Jesus. Then it's easier from there. Cause now boom, now you have somebody to call at any time of the night. You know me, I got you. You struggling with something? Call me. I got you. You have my pastor now and they pick up their phone no matter what time of night it is. <laughs> they are picking up their phone because I don't call them as often, but I'm pretty sure I don't, I don't really call them that much. Like, if I'm down bad and I got to call them, they're going to know. It's like, what's going on? You good? You going to bail you out? What's going on? And that's like people they are. Like, they meet people where they are. They understand. Nobody is perfect. So my pastor, that's why I love I loved them. All of them. They're really understanding. They understand, especially the um, the younger ones. Let's be because they all kind of old now. But the younger <laughs> ones, they understand that you know, we're still figuring it out. We're not there yet. And they're not there yet themselves. Even the pastors are not there yet. So you're looking at us, if you're on a pedestal, <coughs> they're going to break your heart. Pastors mess up. They slip up and say things. They're allowed to do so. There's no rule book saying that you're not allowed to say this. You're not allowed to do this. You are allowed to mess up. It's okay. It's what you do with that mess up that determines your future. I like that. That's important. That That's something I think is not shared enough. Uh, one, I like that method of, like, if somebody's interested in going to the church, build a rapport with them or a relationship with them. Uh, a lot of times it's just, you need God. You need to come to this church. <laughs> and it is a shock if you actually do decide to go to the church. It's like, damn, I don't know anybody here. And uh, it's easy for the people to feel judged, too. Because um, I even hear it a lot. Like, my family. Like, you know, they're old school. Yeah, like, straight up. <laughs> What you what was the term you said the the old school hardcore Christians yeah yeah so you do anything bad it's like mm. what would God say you know and mm. they they damn every bad uh, thing that you do but you're right we're all humans we're all figuring out as we go and no matter where you are in life how much faith how, what's your faith we're all gonna mess up mm-hmm. it's it's. It's inevitable. You're a human. If you were perfect, you would be God, and you're not. So, do not be so hard on yourself when you mess up. It's going to it, it is going to happen. And if you think you've gotten over something, like yeah, I don't do that anymore, you're gonna do it again. You're gonna do it again. It's gonna happen again, and it's okay. Stop being hard on yourself. Allow yourself to uh, go through the motions. Like yeah, you're gonna be great some days. You're probably gonna be great for weeks, reading a Bible every day, praying every day. Like yeah, I feel great. It's gonna be that one day somebody piss you off. And now you don't read. And now you don't pray. And then, and then you get back into that cycle, like, damn, I got to start back praying and reading. And now it's been a year. And it's January 1st. Like, all right, let me do this Bible plan again. Start from scratch. Start over again. 
and now you reach February and you stop. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I can't even imagine how many times I've started this Bible plan I'm doing to read the entire Bible in a year. It takes exactly a year to read it. But I done started this Bible plan like five different years. <laughs> five, this is the first year, and I'm already 22 days behind. I'm still trying to keep with it. I'm like, I don't want to stop. I don't want to stop. I need to finish something that I said I was going to do. But it's going to happen. Some days I forget that I'll be having time my life like, yeah. Get home, like, oh, shoot, I didn't read my Bible. And then I'm like, oh, God, I'll sit there to pray. Like, yeah, Jesus, thank you for keeping me up. <laughs> going. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And it's okay. He understands. He understands where your heart is. It's not like you was like, yeah, I'm going to pray, but I'm going to scroll on Instagram instead. But it, it comes with time. <laughs> but I was Instagram fiend like a coke addict. Every time I woke up in the morning, I was like, I ain't yeah. seen nothing to God. I ain't even look at the Bible. I ain't look at the Bible for weeks. I'm on Instagram. That don't mean, in my head, I was like, that don't mean I love you in the last God. But it does. It shows you where you put your time. You put your time where it's important for you. You putting your time into everything else but the things of God. You can say you love him how much you want. <laughs> actions but speak louder exactly. than words. Actions speak louder than words. Put your actions where your mouth is. Show me what you're talking about. Do you have any closing remarks or words of encouragement, or just anything to say? Any final words, maybe for the person out there who's listening to this podcast, it's like, I need to do something different. Or even the people who just don't believe, they're stuck in their ways. Um. Well, for the people who are like, I want to do something different, start today. Don't wait till tomorrow, because tomorrow is promised to no one. Find somebody who you trust that, you know, they're a person of their word. They don't ever make you second guess their movements or their motives. That is in the church, a Christian, not just in the church, but an actual Christian, a practicing one, someone that you believe what they say, and have a conversation with them. See what you can do. For those of you who are stuck in your ways, um, be safe. <laughs> <laughs> be safe. Stay safe. Always, always, I. I pray for you that you're covered under the blood and whatever you do, that once you step out your house, do whatever it is you're doing, that you will get back to your house safely. And hopefully you, you come to realization one day that what you are doing is not enough. It's not enough for you. You want more for yourself. You want to do better. You want to be better. And, you know, it may not be today. It may not be next year or the year after that. But I'm praying that it does come. Eventually, and if not, then be safe. <laughs> you know, it's not for everybody. But what you can never say is that no one, no one ever, never offered it to you. The door is always open. It's just for you to step through it. And uh, before I close out, I have a question, right? Mm -hmm. You may have heard this before. All right. I asked uh, my family this, and it turned into a big-ass argument. Oh, gosh. So the question is, can God create a rock that he cannot lift? Definitely did ask me this before. Okay, I did. <laughs> um, he cannot. So for this, you would be placing God in the same realm as us, as us when it comes to what's heavy and, you know, can we pick this up? No, we can't pick this up. God is beyond that. He's beyond matter. He's not in the same realm as us. He's beyond time. Time doesn't exist to him because he created it. So he can't be limited to his creations because he made it. So if you're asking if there's a rock that... He can make a rock that he can't pick up. 
the answer is yes and no, I guess. Because, (laughs) 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 because, you know, I'm sure somebody wants to be like, hey, God, make a rock that you can't pick up. He can make a rock and just not pick it up. (laughs) Like, you know, like when kids be like, I'm strong. Can you lift this? You can't lift this. Oh, 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 you're so right. I can't pick it up. Like, tell her you couldn't lift it. Like, that, I feel like that would be his response. Like, ha, 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 these silly mortals. I just, that, that question just don't apply to him, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I respect it. <laughs> that was the best answer yet. My family was going ham about that question. Aww. This was an amazing podcast. Sure was. Hope somebody comes to Jesus. Of course, everyone in Utica Avenue. Definitely got to have you on again. Um, but uh, I end the podcast. <laughs> uh, you lost me, Buckle. <laughs> happy eighty twenty. Happy Hakuna Matata. Happy Leviticus. Fuck being average, and I speak to you all soon. Shorty so bad she want numbers. Hop in the summer. If you can't fuck, I can't love you. If you don't talk, I can't trust you. Keep it a hundred. I used to stress out my mama. Living up hope was my comfort. Now she retired in Tennessee. I got the back, but I'm still from the nineties. I might just pull up in a Hummer. Oof.